Let me bang you, I do let you bang Let me bang you, I let you bang I let you bang Greetings, Marys and Virgins. Go for Jesus! No for Jesus, people! Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time once again for your favorite mixed martial arts podcast. Recording out of Los Angeles, California, it's MMA Roasted with Adam Hunter. Who the fuck is that guy? What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter, here with one of my best friends. Sean McCorkle, uh, everyone like your story, by the way. Uh, we got a nice oh, one guy. A one guy got mad. Uh, everyone else, though, is like 99% of Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Um, people were laughing their asses off. Uh, I got a lot of personal DMs. So, how are you feeling? Uh, doing all right, man. I don't know. Just uh, I went to my first physical therapy session, uh, yesterday, and uh, it was funny trying to explain my whole story. My back, we didn't even get to any physical therapy. Like I just had to like explain everything with my back and my shoulder. And by that time, our 45 minutes was up. The guy was like, well, maybe next week we'll have to get to that because they don't want to start anything until they understand what they're doing or what you're hoping to accomplish. And I just kept telling less pain. Like that's all I want. That's my only goal is to hurt less. So uh seemed like a nice kid. It always sucks when your physical therapist is 23 or 24 because you're like, how much can this kid know? You know, but sometimes it's better. Sometimes that's some, those are people that actually still care about their jobs. No, really, that's what it seemed like. It was uh, the, the last time I went to physical therapy years ago. They had me bouncing on a ball first thing, like sitting on a ball and bouncing on it. And I was like, dude, this is compressing my spine and shooting pain. I can't feel my left foot when I do this. Well, let's just give it a 20-minute try. And I was like, no, nah, we're not doing it for 20 minutes. And then, like, walk on this treadmill. For step, I can't feel my leg. Like, it hurts. Like, they just kept thinking I was being a baby. And uh, the guy started out with, do you think you do 60 push-ups? I was like, if you've got a time machine, I could do 60 push-ups. Like, you know, like five years ago, but I can't, not straight, not right now. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, it was, uh, so never that. But uh, yeah, he actually, uh, he does seem to actually believe I'm hurting, which is nice. So When I went to physical therapy for my torn ACL, it was a bunch of kids, like high school kids in me. And I was like the yeah. annoying old creepy guy that was like, oh, so you guys have girlfriends? And like a couple of them were dating. And like, I was like, so when did you guys start dating? Like, I just became that annoying, like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know? That I think that's the problem, man. If I don't do comedy during the day or at night, I think I, was, I had a couple of times off. It comes out during the day on people who don't want comedy or know they're getting comedy. Right. So it's like <laughs> the guy at the bank or the DMV. And then people just look at me like I'm an asshole. Um, by the way, so right now I'm, I live in LA, there's a, a actor strike, obviously, and right. everyone's posting, you know, all these pictures of them on the strike, but I really wasn't working that much when there was no strike, you know? So right. I'm thinking about just showing up to, to protest, to make connections. Like, that's like, idea. Yeah. like, that's the <laughs> only reason I would, I'm going to go is to network and be like, Hey, you know, give out my, you know, give out my business cards and stuff. But I'm like, that's completely the wrong reason. <laughs> Like, but because I see people posting a picture of them, uh, you know, supporting the strike. And I'm like, they're just doing it so that they could just for for likes. I mean, not all of them. People are actually, you know, not yeah. all, of them, but a lot of them like, like the same people that posted. They got their COVID shot and they were real happy about it. And now they're having heart attacks during youth basketball games. <laughs> well, that's a little extreme, but uh, yeah, 100 percent. So uh, I was I was going to tell a story, by the way, of. Uh, 
you, you ever like do something ridiculously awful, but then people stick with you and you're like, what's your problem? Um, maybe, you know, Wait, what? You lost me. You did something awful and they did what? So when I was 21 years old, I had, you know, I had a girlfriend. We were like on and off and we went on like a break back in the day. That was a thing back in the day. People go on breaks, which is right. like, which is not even, it's like, Hey, I'm just, uh, I want to fuck other people for a couple months and then come back. Right. To, you know, like, I don't even know this is a thing, but then my girlfriend at the time was like, let's go on a break. So, so we, we go on a break. Right. And at the time I was giving off flyers in New York city. I mean, I did this for five years every day in Times Square. It was the most degrading job. Hey, comedy show and Hamburger Harry's. We got comics from MTV and Conan Oprah. And it was us. It was me and Dave. Right. Rubin. Me, and, me and Dave Rubin ran, ran the show. Dave, who's now like a big Republican, conservative, gay guy. Right. So yeah. every so we would trick people. And then Melissa Roush, who's on the Big Bang Theory. Melissa, who's now on. Uh, she was she had she was on Night Court. She's the judge on Night Court. She was a. She was my walker. So I would I would stop people. Hey, comedy show. We got the best comics ever. People would be like looking up. So I knew as soon as they looked up because they were in Times Square. I'm like, I got them because they have nothing to do. And then I would then right. I would. Hey, the show is down this alley, which looks sketchy as fuck in a place called right. Harry's. And then I have Melissa, who is this little girl, would walk them over. She was my walker. Right. So then right. and then they would get into the comedy club in the back of a hamburger restaurant and they would sit there, and then it'd be the same comics that gave them the flyer. So they were just pissed because right. we told them there were all these great <laughs> comics, and like hey, that's an asshole who gave me the flyer. Anyway, so I, but the one good thing about this job is I would I would get laid left and right because you get all these girls that were uh, you know tourists that coming into New York for the first time, and like on their bucket list was like bang a guy from New York, basically. So <laughs> so yeah, high ambitions, very high ambitions. So there was a girl that I met and we, we went back to my place and I, we had sex and like the condom broke. So I just ripped it off. You know, I'm like, I then put on another condom, which I should have done. I just was like, ah, fuck this. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think I busted in her because back then I didn't think I can get anyone pregnant. And, right. you know, so then me and my girlfriend, like a month later, decided to go to end our, our like break. So we get back together. And I, this girl that I hooked up with from was from Missouri. She was a, a stripper, a hot blonde stripper. I was like, she was planning on coming to visit me. So I call her up and I'm like, hey, listen, you can't come and visit. And I don't want to say at the time I got back with my girlfriend in case that didn't last. But I'm like, uh, you know, I, I booked a part on a soap opera and this and that. You sorry, you can't come. And she's like, oh, because I'm pregnant and, and you're the father. So, <laughs> so you're like, so we're going on Maury Povich. I got to cancel my other my other TV appearance. OK, so I flew her. So I flew her to, to, to New York. And we went to get the abortion, right? And at the time, I'm back with my girlfriend, so I had to tell her what was going on. And I thought she was going to dump me immediately. So when the girl stayed, I think she gave me head, and uh, I guess you know that is cheating. But I thought she was going to dump me anyway. And of course, my girlfriend sticks with me. We go, and at the time, an abortion procedure was like a seven-hour procedure in Planned Parenthood, and you're walking past protesters, and so I was there for like seven hours, and and there were a lot of women there, and they were looking at me like I was a good boyfriend because at least I was with the girl these, these girls were there by themselves you know so i think i went and saw a movie or something because it was like seven hours uh, but um it was uh always respectful having an accomplice to your murder but it's always less offensive uh so then i i went and then uh so then uh, you know we took care of that and uh she was very nice about it very cool about it and um and then i got back with my girlfriend and she stayed with me she stayed with me 
And that's when I started to question her judgment. Because right. I'm like, that's what you're like, wait a minute. Did you ever have that situation? Not that one, but where someone sticks with you and you're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, no, actually, um, you'll probably get mad if she hears it, but my current girlfriend, uh, fiance slash wife, whatever you want, um, she, uh, I was telling her one day she was the worst decision maker I've ever seen in an argument. And I thought, well, that explains why she's with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really did think that maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't encourage that line of thought anymore, like her to rethink her life decisions because she would for sure wouldn't be with me if she was making good decisions. So yeah, um, seriously. No, I think but uh, yeah, no, it's uh I've thought that before, man. Like I um when I used to have a business at some point, I had a truck driver who's my cousin, he's dead now, rest in peace. Um, but he pooped in the semi while driving 70 miles down out the highway he just leaned his butt over pulled his pants down pooped on a piece of cardboard because he had diarrhea and we had a load that was running late um and so he had a load running early apparently but um yeah so he takes a dump there he gets back and he talked just like brendan shaw he was like hey man listen somebody's got to clean up that shit like in the in the truck i don't have time i gotta go to a doctor's appointment so uh you're just gonna have to have one of your mexican guys clean that up i was like dude i'm no one's cleaning that up you're going out and cleaning that up yeah. what are you talking about and so um he was like uh he was like, i need somebody to help me like i don't know why he needed help so I, my warehouse manager at the time i called him ron do even though he's white um his name was ron i was like ron do been friends since we were kids I was like, would you go out and help Jeff with whatever he needs help with? I didn't tell Rondu what he needed help with. Rondu's like, man, I can't. I just pooped my pants. Like that or whatever. Like he just he just pooped his pants at work too. My warehouse manager, like within yeah, two 15 guys minutes. Their of, pants, two, one guy just in the truck. Yeah, and and within 15 minutes of each other, my two of my most important guys pooped their pants. And it was a moment of clarity for me because I thought, who's the idiot? The idiots pooping their pants at work or the idiot that hired and put in <laughs> position, two important positions, two guys who pooped their pants within 15 minutes of each other at work. And I seriously, I was like, at that point, we were like 60 employees. I was like, dude, those are two of my best guys. And they both shit their pants. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing with this? I know you guys are thinking, Adam, how do you have so much energy? You just go, 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 go. I'll tell you, our next partner is AG1, which is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. Now I gave AG1 a try because I was feeling run down. I'm like, ugh. Can't do this with the kid and the wife and the career and just nonstop. Go, go, go. But I'm telling you, I am feeling so great. I got I got a boost in energy. I I, I feel better. Uh, my support system in my body just it just it, it tastes great and I feel great. And I drink AG1 in the morning before working out, doing my fight camp, and it makes me feel unstoppable, ready to take on the whole day. Come on, day, bring it, bring it, people. Okay. So I support this. I'm all for it, okay? A lot of our athletes drink AG1, okay? Uh, and Because I know it's important for, for these fighters to take care of their bodies, not including Kelvin Gastelum. I'm kidding. Kelvin does it too. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five, that's right, five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash MMA roasted. That's drinkag1.com forward slash MMA roasted. Check it out. Like ah. We need to get human resources going or something, man, or, or I don't know, some kind of Pepto-Bismol on, on tap or something, man, because people were, yeah, it was something else, man. It was, uh, 
That was crazy. That was uh, both at the same time shit their pants and both needed help cleaning it up. So the, e- it the a- easiest way to rationalize that is when they're family members because you can't get rid of them. Right. There are so many people. Yeah. That I mean, the one was my cousin, so I guess you could rationalize that. The other guy was like family to me. But uh, yeah, no, I realized when I, I, I said one time to my brother, we were partners. I said, we have 130 of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life working for us. And we hired them. So we must be like at the top of the list, me and you. Like we were the ones that actually gave them jobs and paid them every week, you know? There are so many times I I, I took the, I talked to customer service or something and I'm like, who didn't they hire? Like, like who did they, right? How, who, right? Dude, I, I flew in, I did a show in Texas last week and I got one of those miles. Those airline miles are the worst. Like when, it's the best because you save $150 or something, but right. they routed me from Texas, right? From Dallas to Michigan to LA. Right. right? So, <laughs> so I'm always like, okay, I'll get there and I'll I'll get him to change it. Like, hey, anyway, I can get in early and I'll get a nice person. Right. So I call up the night before. You know, listen, because of course I'm getting in at 11 o'clock at night. I haven't seen my kid. You know, I've seen my kid four days in the past three weeks or four weeks. Anyway, sorry, you know, the ticket that you have, you can't change it because it's it's an unchangeable ticket. I'm like, I know, but I know. But is there, do you have kids? I'm trying everything. She's like, well, maybe if you go to the plant, to the, you know, the airport, maybe the guy will do it. Right. So I go to the yeah, airport. I always pass it off to the next guy. Well, maybe the next guy will help you get you an exit road. Like, sure. So I go to the airport and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, you guys got me going from, you know, Dallas to Michigan, the other way to get to LA. I got a middle seat. Is there any way that you could get me in earlier? You know, I see there's like 87 flights that would be quicker, right? And right. the guy's like, oh, well, you have an inner ticket. Uh, can I speak to your supervisor? So this guy runs over and he's like, my man. As soon as he says my man, I know I'm fucked, you know? Right. Like, my man, he, here's the problem. If I did this for you, uh, we would lose $1,000. I would, because someone could buy this ticket for $1,000. I would fire anyone that did this uh, for me. Anyone did this for you, I would fire. I'm like, well, maybe you could be a nice guy and wouldn't fire that person. And aren't you the person now? He's like, listen, my man, my man, you're not listening. You're not listening. And then the guy goes, <laughs> so then he goes, let me pull up your thing. He goes, man, you have a four-page thing of you trying to get in earlier. Man, you're, you're going to get banned from Delta, just like that rabbi. Like, <laughs> yeah. Brought a rabbi into it? Yeah. Why did, so now the Jews are being blamed. Like, 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 right. So oh, now, as, as a car for the course. <laughs> So, so now I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but you could just be a nice guy. No, listen, I know that you think you could go here and say, uh, I'm a, you know, you could be a nice guy, but that's not how we do it. I would, I used to be a manager. I would fire anybody, dude, the guy. And I'm like, you know, you have a little bit of power and this is how you use it. Right. And, yeah. and, and then it was just like, oh God, so that put me in a fucking mood, you know? Uh, I had a, I had a very similar story, except they called the cops on me, um, <laughs> I went to. Uh, I was flying a lot at a at a time when my uh, fiance was living in uh, San Diego and I was in Indianapolis. So I was flying all the time out there to see her, and vice versa. So um, I go to the airline one time and I'm five minutes late, like getting there, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, you missed your flight. You're five minutes late." And I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm not checking a bag or anything. Can I just go ahead and still try to make it?" They're like, "No, got to reschedule." And if I want a guaranteed ticket, they want to charge me two hundred dollars. You know what I mean? For a guaranteed spot on the next flight. And I'm like, well, they used to say, if you do fly standby, wait till tomorrow or pay $200, we'll guarantee a seat. And I was like, okay, cool. So I paid the $200, didn't say anything. Another, the next weekend, I come up there and, oh, yeah, we're sorry, sir, we overbooked this flight. So uh, you're going to have to take the next one. I said, okay, so you're going to have to pay me $200. 
uh, if you want me to take that next one. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And I said, last week, you guys charged me $200 for being five minutes late. I'm early this week. You're telling me there's some kind of problem and it's not the weather. There's some kind of overbooking problem. So you're going to pay me $200. And uh, I said, I want it back. And he was like, I said, does that stand a reason? He's like, are you, are you threatening me? He starts with that shit. And I was like, dude, what are you? This little twerpy dude. So what are you talking about? So I was threatening you. I'll tell you, I slapped the shit out of you, you know? Yeah. So he runs, he calls the cops, like immediately calls the cops. And they, you know, TSA and cops are all too excited to come try to attack me, you know? So they come up like, what's the problem? And I said, this guy started talking shit. And I just said, I was going to, you know, if I want to threaten him, I told him to smack him. I didn't do anything. And then they're like telling me, sir, turn around, put your hands behind your back. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? You're going to arrest me? Because they take it serious at a, because I told them they were stupid too, you know, whatever, TSA. Yeah. So then another cop comes up and he's like the manager. He goes, wait a minute. What airline? I said, like Delta or American or whatever. Is, is it Kevin? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes over. He goes, let him, let him go. He said, dude, he just go. He goes off to the manager. He, he said, Kevin's at it again. Like tells the manager, Kevin's uh, calling the police on everybody. Like every time someone disagrees with him, they call the police. I tell that story on uh, my Facebook. Some guy hits me up and said, hey, don't worry, bro. I got you. I got your back, like some dude. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but it's really okay, man. Like, you don't have to do it. No, I got you. And I was like, dude, it really don't do anything because it always comes back on me when yeah, friends are get revenge for me, you know? So next thing I know, this guy sends me a video a couple of days later. He goes to the airport. He's talking to Kevin, filming without Kevin knowing. And he starts saying, are you threatening me to Kevin, to the guy Kevin or whatever? He goes, wait, are you threatening me? Did you just did you just grab my cock? Like this and that, like saying stuff like that. And all of a sudden he says, I want to talk to a manager right now. And Kevin's like, sir, I don't know what. And he's like, give me a manager now. Police starts yelling or whatever. Like this guy gets Kevin in trouble and sends me the video or whatever. Like I got him back, man, don't worry. I was just like, dude, it's it's okay. Like I just, like I liked it. But at the same time, I don't want the cops showing up at my house saying I swatted somebody or whatever oh or whatever. But it's, uh, it's like the it's guy like in Happy Gilmore. It's like Shooter McGavin's friend, remember? In Happy Gilmore. That yeah, was, yeah. Kind of like run people <laughs> Excuse over. That guy was famous. He wasn't he a famous uh, comedian back in the 70s, the guy that played that role? Uh, wasn't he on a uh, – oh, God. The guy that played Shooter's Friend, he was on, like – what was that show? That was like Saturday Night Live, but before. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. That guy was hilarious. Yeah, no, he was a famous uh, – oh, my gosh, that show, SCTV. You remember that? Oh, was it – what's his name? Um, It wasn't – what's his name? Uh, The guy that was always in trouble, like, he ended up, like, uh, not yeah. like, like, like in – not in real life, but he was uh, ended up on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he was he he. he, he right, let me look it up real quick. But yeah, oh, yeah. Shooter's Friend, that guy was a famous comedian in the seventies. Unless I'm crazy. Oh uh, wow! But uh, the, the SCTV, I guess, was like a Canadian Saturday Night Live. Yeah, no, it had a lot Live, of really right? funny people. A lot of really funny people yeah. on SCTV. Um, so I did a show in Vegas, and this guy Justin James came. Really nice guy. He so last time he uh, his last fight in the UFC. He bet his whole purse on himself, right? Right. This is back. I thought it was a now since James Krause ruined betting. Yeah, this is before James Krause. This is before Krause. Oh, okay. It's and before Krause. It's like it's like BC and AB, like uh, BK before Krause. And he ended up losing, right? Which is the worst part. So he lost his whole purse. So and he and you know he still had to pay his, his like training people and his agents. So right. Yeah. No. So he's doing negative fighting. So every time he came to a show, I would tell that story. I, I go, you know, he bet his whole, you know, person, and everyone would clap. And I would go, and he lost. And his wife, he said his wife was so mad at him, right? Of course. I bet. Well, now he has a girlfriend. So, like, I guess the wife, right. the last time he came, <laughs> hot girl, uh, definitely a hottie. So he, uh, and then this other guy came, you know, you, you realize with these, like, 
new generation. So I did a show in Texas and uh, three guys came, Kyle Crutchmer, who's like four time, I think all American or three time all American. He came with this guy, Nick Piccinini. Right. And so he he comes and I was like, I knew you wrestled. I looked him up while he was there. The guy was a four time New York state champion. He was two, four time, two time all American in college. Uh, he he was ranked third going into the NCAA's the COVID year, where they didn't so they, they don't have they didn't have a tournament. They just like placed right. like what you would have placed. They did, which is the stupidest. <laughs> they predicted it. <laughs> yeah, and now he's four and zero in MMA, and I'm like, yo, man, this guy. You know, I was on stage like this guy showed you that you could be a four time state champion and still get no pussy because he was by himself. Um, right, but. Man, I mean, could you imagine having to go against that guy? And he's light too. He's like one twenty-five or one thirty for you know. He's he's like a, a light guy. But uh, man, this I have a hard time being, imagine being intimidated by a hundred and thirty-pound man. Like that's what I was thinking when I was fighting the UFC. I'd see how little some of those guys were. Like that Tyson Griffin, I think I saw in person. He couldn't have been five foot tall. Like one of the smallest people I've ever seen. Yeah. And he was uh, he was he, he didn't like the bigger dudes. You could tell he had short man syndrome because he was very short. But at his strength of tour, he like I tried to make a joke to him and he didn't have any. And they're not even about being short, just trying to talk to him, make a joke. And he was kind of hateful toward me. And I thought, uh, I can't imagine like how nice would it be? Like I'm looking at facing Mark Hunt. You're looking at facing a guy that weighs 125 pounds. Like one of us is, you know what I mean? And we both have practically the same size head. You know what right. I mean? Or whatever. I'm just getting hit with a lot bigger fists and a lot more weight behind it. So that's uh I'd be surprised if some of those lightweight guys ever even get uh like brain damage or uh, you know cte or anything yeah um, well i mean we're going to talk about the conversation oh no 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 um, it's, it's pretty hot here uh <laughs> by by the way so uh they say don't meet your heroes have you ever met anybody that yeah. like was a complete dick that you thought was uh, yeah roy jones jr i gave him the whole man i've been a, bit, a fan of yours since you were fighting amateurs you're one of the reasons i wanted to fight and he was like cool and then walked away like after he took a picture with me and so I was like, oh, all right. So the guy that introduced me to him, I said, he goes, you meet Roy? I said, yeah, I, I, Roy can suck a dick, you know, or whatever like that. He's like, what happened? He goes, he goes, dude, he, I said, he just was like, in the middle of my conversation, kind of like he just walked off. Like, nobody talking. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but you, you guys became friends, though, right? A little bit. I mean, I after he he, he went over and told Roy who I was. He goes, oh, I didn't know he was UFC fighter. But then that kind of made me mad. Like, oh, you're going to treat me differently because... You know what I mean? I'm a you know UFC fighter, but I would never. I was never obviously nearly as famous as him or as good at what I did. But it's uh, and I know it gets old, man. People coming up to you, but I made it. I try to make. I'm sure you do too. I try to make everybody when you meet people after shows. I try to make them all feel like ask them what their name is, what they do for a living, whatever. You know, I'm not ever going to remember them, and that's probably my fault. That's why people come up to me all the time, and I have no idea who they are. And I talk to them for like ten minutes, and they leave, and my son or daughter be like, "Who is that?" I'm like, "I have no idea." You know, but I must have. But I, I try to make it, especially for the younger kids, man, make it special for, not special, but make it so they actually feel like I know them and I'll remember them and, you know, yeah, stuff no, like 100%, that. Because, uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the and, and like I said, if I've been doing it as long as Roy Jones, maybe you do get tired of people doing it all the time. But those people forget who's paying the bills. You know what I mean? They forget that if they if those people weren't going to the shows, they wouldn't be anybody. You know, like, Roy Jones uh, was all like, I mean, he was like so next level. He would have. Remember, he had basketball games before he his fights. Yeah, yeah, he played a full, yeah, full league game or two, and then go beat somebody up. He was, uh, he was amazing, man. He was, uh, he he never he would never make he never made crazy money because he never messed with Don King at all. And uh, I had an old boxing trainer. He used to actually manage a couple of world champions. He was a really old great guy named West Raymond. His dad was a champion in the thirties. But he told me the problem with Don King wasn't. He said, like Don King was still the best promoter. He would promise you ten million. 
you would only get five, but your five million was still three million more than you were getting from anybody else. You know what right. I mean? He yeah. said, so you're going to get robbed, but you're still going to make more than somebody that's not going to rob you. So, um, one of the biggest you know, dicks that I met was what uh, was uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Really? Yeah, I was a, I was a, I was in the movie Zoolander. I was in the movie. I was a stand-in for David Bowie. Right. right. So right. first of all, the the whole thing was chaos. Like there was like nine fires. It was in like a warehouse in New Jersey or something, and there was like ten fire. It was all kinds of things going wrong. They were completely over budget, and this was his first big directorial uh, de- you know debut. So he was all like nervous. You know, they have a thing called an AD, which is an assistant director, right? Which is the person under. Right. I was there for two weeks. He went through 11 ADs. They, he fired right. one. Every day someone was fired. Like there was a person that came that was crying. Like, please, I need this job. Like he was a fucking tyrant. And they it was all models, right? All these models were there. And it was all about how how shallow the model agency is, right? How model. So every day he would he would start the day by lining everyone up and just pick people that were good looking, walk like, right in front of them and go you you you. So then right away people start crying if they weren't picked. Okay. So it was they were already. So I'm sitting there next to David Bowie and we're talking and I I'm a stand-in so I have to be next to him. It wasn't like like because they had to like basically, you know, I was the same height as him and he was right next to me and they had to do the shots so my dad you know used to manage alice cooper and david bowie was a big alice cooper fan he used to always watch all the alice cooper shows before he was david bowie he actually took a lot of his like so i was i was like oh yeah my dad manages alice cooper you know oh alice and he and david always eyes lit up and he was so nice right like we were just Mm -hmm. and he was like such a nice guy and then and i don't know if this is from ben stiller or it was an AD, but some comes up to me. She goes, excuse me, um, Ben Stiller is upset that you're hogging the time he wants with David Bowie. Um, so will you please stop talking to David Bowie? Like, so like, but this is not from David Bowie. Like, like David, right. it was, I'm not even sure it was even from Ben Stiller or it was just an AD jumping the gun. But right. um, like, but after that, I was like, what a fuck it, like, you know. Uh, that, that reminds me when I met R. Kelly. Uh, which he was dressed like Zorro. It was an odd, it was an odd night, but uh, I was at R. Kelly's studio with some, it's a long story how I got there, but uh, this girl's like, do you want to meet Kells is what they call him. I was like, I really don't care. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter to me. He hadn't been proven to be a pedophile at this point yet, just suspected. And so she tries to bring him over and some guy goes, wait a minute, minute. let me ask Kells if it's okay. And I was like, dude, you know what? You and Kells can go suck a dick. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to approach the king. You know what I mean, or whatever. Like I don't, he hasn't been, I hadn't been put out a hit in fifteen years. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he came over. He goes, just no, oh, it's okay. He goes, say he was a UFC fighter. And I said, yeah, I used to be. He goes, just don't beat up me. And I was like, oh no. I said, I only fight for money, or if anyone shows me the least amount of disrespect, and right. like looked at his like uh, his assistant guy, you know, whatever, like yeah, in yeah. the eyes or whatever. And then um, he said uh, he asked me how old I was. And uh, I told him, I think it's 35 or something or whatever. He goes, how you, how you stay looking so young? I said, uh, steroids, like even growth hormone. And then he was like, ah, inward, you crazy. Like started laughing. I said, no, really? Like, that's really how I do. And I said, how do you stay looking so young? And he looked off into space like he stopped and goes, I just stay on stage inward like that. Like, and, like looking off into space. And I looked off with him into, you know, the lives that he was looking into. And I uh, thought that was amazing. Like, here I am spending all this money on HGH and all I had to do was stay on stage. It was uh yeah, well, now he's staying in a okay. cell. So, Don Fry, how are you, man? 
I'm okay. How are you guys? Good, good, good. good can you good. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I've, I've been I've been watching you. Uh, you've been killing it on Fight Pass. The, you're all over the internet again. Uh, everyone's very proud of you. Uh, what is Don on? I keep hearing Don's on something, but I don't see it. What is it? Is it a show? Is it like what? I don't know either. Oh, Tea and Whiskey. You did this show, Tea and Whiskey, for Fight Pass. Uh, oh, so you have to know Fight Pass. Yeah, yeah. You're going to spend five, five, $5 a month, you know, or $10 a month. You know, it's out of your budget, so never mind. You know? Right, yeah. I was just saying, I might have to like, go find me if I want to watch Tea and Whiskey. <laughs> so all right let's get to the fights uh did you watch last week's fights that, from england sean uh who fought because probably not but it all may, right it may so tom tom aspinall he he beat uh tybura marcin tybura he just went out and just killed him like first round finish he uh he called for the winner of gone versus spivak which is also i guess they're highlighting paris but i guess everyone's saying <laughs> He's like, no one's heard of me. Let me call out someone that no one else has heard of either. <laughs> Let me call out another no-name fighter. So people are people are saying that him versus John Jones is the fight to make. Um, and you know, if John Jones, but they're already assuming he beats Stipe. No one's even giving Stipe a chance in this, uh, which is pretty stupid, I think, because John Jones is like 50 years old. I mean, we he's also like he's getting up there. People, a lot of people get old overnight. Hasn't happened to him yet, but we don't know. Um, so then John Jones writes on Twitter, which he deleted, everyone's the next big thing until I beat them. And then it's like, wait, who was that guy anyway? A few months ago, gone was the absolute future of MMA, best footwork, fastest heavyweight we've ever seen, most athletic. Now everyone's like, who is that guy? He kind of has a point there. <laughs> like, I can't uh, really argue. Yeah, uh, you're damn right. You're damn right. Well, I mean, gotten scared to death. He just pissed himself. You know, before he left the bust, you know, so shit. He, they followed a trail of piss all the way down to the cage. You know, I mean, <laughs> shit. Uh, I mean, uh, he's scared to death of Jones. Uh, Bisbing thinks that Aspinall runs through John Jones. Um, I mean, they're both from England, so he might be a little biased there. Um, did you see the fight between Aspinall last week? Don Jeez, think. No, no. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't well, know they were on, you know, that right. early. Were they on early then? Yeah, they were on early. Um, also, also, uh, Storylenko destroyed Meatball Molly. Uh, Meatball Molly got killed um, quick. And that was like, it was tough because everyone was there for Meatball Molly. Like, it was like one of those things where everyone was like super behind her. And then she just got, she got killed. Uh, Nathaniel Wood beat Andre Feely. And then Paul Craig... I thought he retired. He came back and he's got hair plugs, right? And he's very proud of the hair plugs. Like he's got a full set of hair now. It, it used to be if you had hair plugs, you didn't really tell anybody. This is a whole new right. culture now of people really excited about their hair plugs. Um, you know, I guess if you're a and then Johnny Parsons. So he beats Daniel Roberts, uh, who go who goes by hot chocolate, right? And then he had may have been the worst call out I've ever seen. I'll show you guys the call out. He calls out Patty Pimlet, who I think is like one or two weight classes below him. Um, I'll show you the. Not, I bet he's not right now. That's a safe call out. More above him right now. Uh, and I'll show you guys uh, what happened. Let me see. I'll show you guys. 
uh, this. Uh, tell me what you guys think of this call out. So, do you want a song? Oh, go ahead. Hey, do you want a song or not? Because I'm the Slugger Let's go. I'll go down the lightweight and I'll knock that stupid haircut off your head. Let's go. So he goes, do you want a slug or not? Because I'm the slugger not. Um, and then he said, oh, OK. I thought he was asking something else. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Uh, that guy should be calling anyone else's haircut stupid. Like, that's, 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 that's yeah, like Michael yeah, Bruce being called somebody with a one-eyed, one-eyed Brit. Like, it's like, I don't know. Uh, well, so this, uh, that was a bit. And then, uh, and then Brian else, Burr, uh, Bruce, Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer making fun of somebody's feminine that day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Bruce Buffer called Dominic Cruz gay. Oh, okay. I, I knew. All right. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. 36 minutes into it. Now, this week, all right, we got to talk about uh, it's a great weekend for fighting. It's the best. But this Poirier versus Gaethje, bad mother, the BMF belt is a fucking made up belt. Every time they mention the BMF belt, I get less interested in this. Even the the announcer who was like, "This is for the covenant." You know that guy that does all the like the countdowns. He has that like cool voice, and he's like, "This yeah. is for the, the coveted BMF belt." I'm like, "This is not." First of all, <laughs> it makes up Masvidal, who was the BMF champion, has lost three times. So wouldn't the guy that beat him get that belt? Like, how do you have a belt? That is never on the line. And then Masvidal right. comes and he gives the, the, the look, I'm excited for the fight. I want to see Poirier versus Gaethje. Great fight. It's going to be action. But I mean, if we're going to make up dumb belts, we should have like the wettest vagina belt and the, the most curved dick belt and the hairiest ball sack belt. I mean, what are we doing here? The tightest pussy belt. I'm like, let's just go all the fucking way and just make up a bunch of belts. I the booty long they'll have an interim BMF belt before long. Like I guarantee it'll be this for the interim BMF belt. But if they're going to do the hairiest ball sack belt, uh, they probably need to name the champ first or name the contender. I think Bruce Buffer should be the one to pick those because he's got the most experience. With okay, this is hairiest. not going to be uh, a Buffer is gay roast. Okay, there's no more <laughs> Buffer is gay on the thing. But uh, Don Fry, wow, wow. wow. <laughs> what I do like, what what wow. I do like, I, I didn't know we were. Being what I do like is that Don Fry has is on some list now of the of the baddest motherfucker. They're like bet of all time, which is kind of cool that at least Fry is getting props out of this. But don't you think Don and Sean, this is kind of silly that we're just making up belts? It's definitely a gimmick, man. I wish they would. I wish if they were going to do it, they would treat it like a real belt. You know what I mean? Like I never understood WWE. You had the Intercontinental Championship and then the World Championship. I'd be like, but isn't the continent inside the world? You know what I mean? So this guy's like the second tier champ. I'm really confused of the television champ. So that's only people that fight on TV. You yeah. know, like I don't understand they fight, but if they're going to make it a belt like that, I, I'm all for gimmicks, man. I love pride. Uh, pride was the biggest gimmick stuff ever. I mean, guys would be wearing shoes, guys wear a mask. Like, you know, uh, sometimes you never knew what was going to happen, but uh, if you're going to do that, like I think it actually should have to be contested. There should be criteria like people voted or whatever, but um, Don would have been the original BMF. That would have been awesome. Like he really would. If it started with him, then maybe I could deal with it. But uh, UFC, man, with these intern belts and they just name someone's do it. Like, I don't know how many belts haven't been won, but they had an intern championship belt. The guys fight. It's a draw. And then they have two more guys fight for another intern championship that are neither guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. So there's, 
four interim contenders. Like, I'm so confused. Meanwhile, the other guy, the Trill champ, has only not fought in three weeks, and they had to come up with an interim belt. Like, I don't know. I mean, shouldn't the belt go to the number one guy in the weight class? I mean, call but, me old-fashioned, but the champion yeah. should get a belt. This other shit is like, I mean, Don, what do you think? They, they've, proven, they've proven that pay-per-views sell better if they put a belt on there, so they don't care what it is. If they just say there's a belt on the line. I just wonder when they strip the guys in these belts, how are they keeping their pants up? Like, I don't, I've never been able to figure that out. Don, what do you joke. think of the BMF belt, Don? That was bad. I think it's it's just a gimmick, you know. It's a it's a funny gimmick because, uh, like Sean said, you you have to have a title on the line, a belt on the line to to get people interested. You know, to, to doubt, dish out what is a hundred dollars now. I don't know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people don't want to see a main event which doesn't have anything on the line for. Yeah, you, know, but you want I, to I see some know. kind of title. I, I just think it's cheesy, uh, to be honest. I, I look, I love the fight. It was like it was like way back, way, way back when. It was like way back when Pride would have their main event if it wasn't a title fight, and it'd be a three round fight. And I told him, no, it's got to be a five round fight to be a main event. And you know, lo and behold, eight or nine months later, it became their idea. You know, and then they they started that. You know, shit. Now, who wins the fight? So you honestly, can't give advice to you yeah. know, promoters. Now, who wins the fight? I honestly think Poirier wins. I know that Gaethje says he changed his style now. He's a smarter fighter. But it just seems that anytime Poirier fights a guy who fights like Poirier, Poirier wins. When he fights Michael Chandler's of the world, when he fights these guys that just, Justin Gaethje's, anybody that has like reckless abandon, goes punch for punch, I think Poirier wins. Where he doesn't win is when he gets to Charles Oliveira's, he gets to Khabib's, the guys that aren't going to go. I don't think you're going to out Poirier Poirier, so I think Poirier wins this fight. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, he tends to, Poirier tends to be, he's more technical boxing when it comes to the guys that slug, so he usually can be the one to land the punch first or counter better, like he did on, uh, you know, Connor. Um, it's fun to watch, though. I don't know that Gacy will ever change his style. I don't know that he'll be able to talk by the time he's 40 with the way he fights, man, but that guy's got balls. He really is the toughest, one of the toughest things I've ever seen in my life, man, when it comes to taking. I mean, he'll take three to give you one, and his one is going to be worse. But uh, it's amazing when he actually listens to his corner, when he listens to um, – oh, who's his boxing coach? Trevor Whitman. When he yeah. listens to him, he feels so much better, you know what I mean, than just slugging on crazy. But that one he lands when he is going crazy, man. I would say if it comes down to technically fighting, if it goes longer or goes to decision, I think Poirier beats him. But if uh, if Gaethje can land the one big one, which he's been known to do, you know, on occasion or whatever, he can win by knockout. But I don't think he'll beat him by decision. I think uh, is just too technical. I would like to – actually, I wouldn't like to see it, but if I was trying to coach Justin Gaethje, I would like to see him take mix a takedown or two in just to keep uh, Poirier guessing. Like a, he's an all-American wrestler. wrestler. You, you would never yeah. know he's an all-American wrestler. You would never Far better wrestler never. than Poirier, but he won't use it. So Here's where I got a little concerned about the fight was when Poirier – I watched the countdown – he goes, I don't need to fight for money anymore. He goes, I'm he goes, I'm set for life. My family's set. I'm doing this because this excites me. It seems like anytime anyone says that, they fucking lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like when you don't have to fight for money anymore, money's a big I, I, I've never believed when guys say that, that they're not doing it for the money, then why don't they just go fight for free in the gym, do a full-on MMA match if they really love it? It's the same guys who said, I was never scared before a fight. I've seen them before the fights. They're scared. Everybody's scared of something. You, 
you may be scared of being, I was always scared of being embarrassed. I, before I went out of like God, I don't care if I break both arms, both legs and have lifetime injuries. Just please don't let me get embarrassed on TV. You know what I mean? Like at least let me win or, or put on a good show. Like I don't want to get knocked out. I lived in perpetual fear of the one punch knockout. First, first punch thrown, I get knocked out or get like about Ben Askren has to live with the flying knee. The rest yeah, of absolutely. Time. Absolutely. That's uh, that was what I was always afraid of. I was never afraid of getting hurt. Every now and then I'd be a little afraid, like God, I could get brain damage or you know something like that. But mainly it was just, would you train brain cells to win so that you're not embarrassed? You know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, probably. So, Don, uh, who do you think wins the fight? Don, who do you think wins Gaethje or Poirier? Uh, you know what? I I like them both. You know, Poirier is the toughest kid in the trailer park. Gaethje's you know an Arizona boy, so. uh I, I can't make I I gotta weasel I gotta weenie out and not make a not make a call on this one. Yeah, I do that a lot. Whenever I don't give a prediction, I go, "What do you think?" I, I do the same thing. It's because I don't want these guys watching it, and I'm gonna stop doing <laughs> that. Um, so, um, but I but I but I I understand now. Uh, Pahera against Jan Blakovic. Here's my thoughts on this. We really have no idea how good Pahera is at MMA. Because he's only like five and one or six and one. And the wins that he had, the big wins were he won an LFA. He almost he didn't look good the first fight. His wins, his his first win against against Izzy, he was losing four rounds and then caught him. Right. And then he and then when he fought Sean Strickland, Strickland wanted to beat him in kickboxing. So this (laughs) so he just goes punch for punch. So we really don't know how good he is at MMA. Uh now. I'm not saying he's not a, a world-class kickboxer. He is. He's obviously amazing. But MMA is a different sport. We know how good Jan Blakovic is. I think Jan Blakovic is going to take him down and grind him out. I don't I don't think he's dumb enough to go punch for punch with this guy like Sean Strickland is. Uh, Don, your thoughts? Never underestimate the uh, stupidity of, of a uh, prize fighter. You know, <laughs> damn it! I thought you Don was like, "You took my joke, Don." Son of a bitch! I thought he was gonna say a Polish. <laughs> so, so okay, so yeah, you think that you, you, just when people say they want to try, yeah, when they want to try this style, this style, you know, it, it's stupid. You stick with what got you to the dance, you know, and then you add things to it. But you always keep the original thing to you. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Bokovic has never really fought dumb fights, so he's not one of these guys that seems like that lets pride get in the way. Uh, he's not your typical Polish guy. <laughs> no, I uh, I said uh, I actually released a video. I started my own uh, YouTube channel, by the way, McCorkle Minute at McCorkle Minute. Anyway, I've been releasing some of my old interviews before I was mildly famous. I cornered Tim. Is Sylvia. it a sex channel? Yeah, so it uh before I was mildly famous, I quartered Tim Sylvia against uh Marius Pujanowski, and I kept trying to get him to say after he won how many Polacks does it take to beat uh Tim Sylvia or to beat a former UFC heavyweight champ in a fight? Apparently, more than one, even if it's the strongest one, that's you know, or whatever. And he wouldn't say it, so I said it on that interview that uh that Tim had said that, and then uh, I used it when I beat Pujanowski. That's what I said at the press conference, it did not go over well, it was in Poland. And I was like, I don't know if you guys ever heard this joke, but how many Polacks does it take to beat Sean McCork on a fight? It's apparently more than one, even the strongest one. So, uh, no, I think uh, to answer your question, I think if Jan beat uh, Stylebender and beat him the way he did, Stylebender is the same fighter but better than um, – Oh, right. What's his name? 
yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Style fighter. I think he'll use the same the same strategy, and I think he beats him. Uh, I don't know what makes Jan so good because he looks slow and clumsy to me, and like everything is awkward. And but maybe sometimes that's a uh, that can be a benefit sometimes. You know what I mean? It's weird. Like there's guys. Uh, I don't remember what boxer it was, but there was a guy that fought Floyd Mayweather. I don't think it was Ricardo Mayorga or something, and he was real un um, unorthodox, and because of that, he was able to land shots on him. He yeah. wouldn't normally land. You know what I mean, because he because he's so unorthodox. Burton? You was know, it Emmanuel so Burton? Think, uh, was it Burton. It was that guy that fought like a drunk guy, the drunk mm -hmm. master, right? Yeah, I can't remember. I just know he fought a really weird style, and, and it was actually giving Mayweather problems. And uh, that's what a lot of people thought Conor McGregor was going to beat Floyd Mayweather because he was going to use a karate style. I was like, they would have figured that out a long time ago if that was a good, good boxing style. But uh, no, I think Jan does things a little slow and a little backward and a little off, like his timing's off sometimes, which throws guys off. I've, uh, I've grappled. Chris Lytle was a great uh, uh, example of that. He's, he would roll the wrong way in jiu-jitsu sometimes. Like to get out of something, he'd go the opposite way. And you thought he was going to go the correct way. So you planned your counter based on that. Before you know it, he's on your back choking you because he did something wrong, you know, uh, because you got so used to guys doing stuff the right way. Like if I, if he try, if I sweep him, he's going to try to, you know, go on all fours, do this and that. And then when they don't do it, it throws you off and gives them the chance to lock something in, you know. So all that to say, I think uh, Jan will beat him. I think they'll take him down and clumsily beat him to a decision. That's what I think. There was a guy I grappled with, a guy who hung out with mayhem all the time. And he had like, Autism times a hundred, uh, but he was forgot his name. Hey, you know, mayhem, that figure, he was, dude. He was that, huh? the nicest guy you've ever met. The nicest guy, Matt, Matt Horwich. Talking about Brendan Schaub, and said he was nice. Matt Horwich, and he would when you grappled with him, he would tell you what he was going to do because he would tell himself right. and say it out right. loud and say it out, and then all of a sudden you were like, he's like, okay, I'm now gonna take my right hand and put it there. And, and you were like, <laughs> before you know it, you're like, you're like, what the fuck? You're like, I'll tell you the I worst thing that ever happened to me is somebody, somebody figured out I was extremely ticklish. Like I am extremely ticklish and I don't like it. Like I don't like if people tickle me trying to be funny, even as a kid. And when Matt Mitrione found that out, I would have Matt, I'd be on top and side control, and he'd start poking me underneath my armpit with his finger or around my neck. And I'd be like, dude, like, stop, you know, or whatever. And he would get out of stuff doing that. And I was like, that is the gayest grappling I've seen since I was on mattbattle.com. I don't know if you've been on <laughs> mattbattle.com, but you could get on there. But, but guys, smaller guys started using it against me. They would start, like, trying to tickle me in my private parts. Now they would start trying to like tickle my neck or under my arms or like my ribs. I'm like, dude, stop. It's gay. Like, knock it off. You know what I mean? But it really would work. I would have to let go of something when they tickle me. I was that ticklish. So um, it's, uh, I don't know how we got talking about that. What? Well, how, uh, I don't how know. I mean, well, a fight that I don't want to watch is the Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green. Uh, so Tony Ferguson has lost five fights in a row. He has not won a round in five fights. So he's, what he hasn't won around in 15 fights. I don't know if there was a title fighter there or whatever, or whatever. Maybe there's more. In 15 rounds, he hasn't won around. Um, and he's fighting, he's fighting Bobby Green. He 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 got a DUI a couple months ago, Tony did. You know, he tweeted out some crazy shit. Maybe they he needs money, and this is the UFC's way of like like giving him a, a send-off or something. He's saying things like, I'm just reaching my prime, I'm in the uh, best shape of my life. This is what he's saying, right? This is what he's telling everybody. And I like Tony Ferguson a lot. He's a buddy of mine. I do not want to see him get beat up and get really hurt. And Bobby Green 
as dumb as he fights a lot, which is his hands down, his chin up, he's got great speed and he's got great knockout ability. And his last fight he won, he got, I think he got the disqualified or the, the headbutt is what kind of knocked out Jared Gordon or something. Something weird happened. But man, why can't they just give him Mike Jackson? Why can't they just keep Mike Jackson in the UFC? Doesn't matter how many fights he loses. And every time they get a guy like BJ Penn or Tony Ferguson or or, or, or who a legend, they just have him beat up Mike Jackson. Everyone feels good. Mike Jackson gets paid. Like, this is going to be rough. Sean, this is going to be rough. Uh, dude, I've never understood the UFC. Actually, I do understand because it's completely heartless and they're bloodthirsty. Like, I don't know why they feed the, the – they used to do that in pro wrestling. The, the old guy would put the new generation over. But this is real life with real damage and real consequences. A guy like Diego Sanchez, for example, has he has shortened his life fighting for the UFC. He had no other option but to keep fighting because he's not financially set, you know, or whatever. So he keeps fighting, and they won't – they keep giving him monsters, like young up-and-coming guys. And I'm like, why, why can't they – What's wrong with giving the guy who's done everything Tony Ferguson has done for the UFC? Give him a guy he can beat. Like you're saying, maybe not Mike Jackson, but give him a guy he should beat, you know, or whatever. Like, even if you got to bring him up in his first fight in UFC, you know, a guy or whatever. Like, every now and then just get him a win to keep him relevant, keep him, you know, around. But they, uh, they're they always about the next uh, the next guy. That's why the next generation, when they first signed me, I said no to the first contract offer they didn't want to tell me who I was fighting. And I said, dude, I'm not trying to get fed to, like, one of your up and coming guys like heavyweights that you know is going to murder everybody, like Kenny Velasquez or something. I said, I'm not interested in doing that. And like, we'll just sign the promotional agreement. We'll get you a battle agreement later. And then I, you know, Monty Costa, my agent, he said they promised it'll be another first time UFC guy. And I was like, well, okay. Then, you know, I thought I was going to be fighting. And I'm you know, a guy and they got me. They got me, was what they did. They tricked me. But um, it's, uh, I don't understand why. And it isn't like the NBA where, you know, you retire from the NBA after putting in years of, service i guess and uh they have a coaching job for you a job with the nba a job with everything the ufc was doing that before their new management not very much but they were giving like force griffin a job chuck liddell they, these guys man these are guys that literally bled took brain damage fought for practically nothing for most of their career um maybe made a little money at the end and then they just tell them, well have fun bare knuckle boxing you know what i mean or whatever like Good just not. send them off i mean two things i heard that from a guy that were allegedly worked at the ufc that they kept diego on contract because they didn't want him to do bare knuckle boxing right which I, which I guess is nice but like why don't we just give him money give him a desk job rather than give him a fight that's a, yeah that's a, or, dude, yeah there's no reason to keep uh even a guy like don man you know don had his problems with ufc for a long time and they will say well that wasn't the zufa era when he fought you know, blah, blah, blah. But like guys like that, dude, there's opportunities for guys to make money on appearances on, I mean, you're with WME. Do tell me they can't find a commercial Don can do. WME even on can't the ultimate fighter, make him, you have to have Tony as a coach. You're the main coach. Right. So for, the guy the well, they don't pay the coaches. That's the problem. They don't pay the coaches on the ultimate fighter. They give them a car or something at the end. Like, hey, here's a car. Like, oh, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, it's no, I'm saying, like, even the coaches, the coach, even like, but like a Ryan Bader who's there right now, like Bader is one of right. Chandler's coaches. He doesn't get paid. Right. I, I, when I heard when they when I heard about it, they the 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 guys I know that coach said they got like a per diem and they paid for their like hotel and stuff. But as far as actually getting paid, they gave them something like a motorcycle at the end of it. And they're like, great. Now I got to pay taxes on a thirty thousand dollar, forty thousand dollar motorcycle. Like I got to pay. That's what Mayhem was mad about. That's what Mayhem was mad about. Uh, Don, yeah, Don, Don, what did you think about this Tony Ferguson Bobby Green fight? I, I'm with you. I'm a fan of Tony Ferguson's. I think they got to give him somebody softer, you know, for uh, on his way out. Let him go out, you know. Let him go out 
uh, with some wins, you know, uh, give the guy some fucking respect and uh, so that you appreciate what he's done for the company, you know, so destroy him completely. I mean, you're trying, you're trying to destroy his name. You're trying to destroy his brain. You know, what's he going to have left? Or give him yeah. a guy with no knockout power. There are guys out there that don't have a lot of knockouts. You know, yeah, give him a, what's his name? Ryan, right. he's the guy who only grapples. Ryan, uh, Ryan Hall. Ryan <laughs> yeah. Hall, yeah, he's not going to take any damage if he gets, you know, beaten, something like that. But, uh, or even worst case scenario, put him and Diego in together and at least one guy gets a win, you know what I mean? Or whatever's win bonus, like at least. But I love, man, they are hard. Well, you know, like I said, I love Dana, man. He did some stuff for me he didn't have to do, so I'm loyal to him forever. But, like, that slap league type stuff where you're paying guys 2000 bucks to get brain damage, like, I would think would be beneath him, you know, um, at this point. Like, I, and I think a lot of stuff UFC does, it should be beneath him. I mean, they're making dues. They love to brag about they're making. We made $12 billion last year, but fighter pay's gone up 10%, you know, or whatever in the past 20 years. Like, uh, they're paying barely more now minimum than they were paying when I started in 2010. So that's 13 years later. But like I said, man, that WME is a big, powerful, rich company. They own the WWE now. You're telling me you can't get these guys. Tony Ferguson can't make an appearance on WWE and make a little money, like anything. You know, like just get them a signing. Get them something. Or, or you know what have I mean? them do one of those grappling right. things. Like they have all these grappling stuff. Yeah, like anything. Like, like uh, have Tony Ferguson's team versus your uh, Favors team on the, the story right. grappling thing. Now, yeah, so it's really okay sometimes. Like they don't have to make a like, on every event. You know, like it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, like Sean said, what they could do. They can stick them in a bunch of movies, you know, and then you make the minimum wage of, you know, you get a SAG card, a SAG African card, and you make you make the minimum or to qualify for uh, health insurance, and then they get health insurance. Just keep putting them in movies and have have a SAG pay the guy and give him give him benefits, you know, and that way that helps everybody out. Yeah, now, as long as you get to going to fight for nothing just to be on TV, you're not going to get anywhere, man. These guys are. Unbelievable! Just I've heard guys all the time. I would fight for free if I was on TV in the UFC, and I'm like, dude, what are you nuts? Like I wouldn't fight for for anything, you know. By the way, I got got my Boz shirt. By the way, just so you guys know, Uh, he's got the same haircut as that fighter earlier that uh, was calling people out (laughs) on having bad haircuts. Um. All right. Also, we got Stephen Thompson against Michelle Pahea. So that's the guy from who was in the circus in Brazil. For a while, he was yeah. just doing like flips all the time and and losing fights, but being very entertaining, like all this crazy shit. Well, now he's on a five fight winning streak, but he doesn't do anything fun anymore. Like he doesn't do those crazy backflips, but he's not, he's not right. gassed by the second. So he's fighting Stephen Thompson. Michelle lost. Uh, he he actually lost at a scale today. He missed weight by three pounds. Daniel Cormier says he looks deathly ill. I guess the fight's still on. I can't I believe he didn't miss weight by 30 pounds. That is the biggest 170 pounds fighter like since Anthony Johnson. That dude is massive, man. When he goes out and fights, he's three times the size of the guy he's fighting. I'm like, how does he make 170, man? Like, you talking about is- Michelle? You talking about this guy? Yeah, yeah. Pacheco, yeah. He is. If you watch, he fought, I think, Diego Sanchez. He fought him or whatever. Yeah. He was three times the size of Diego Sanchez. I was like, dude, I can't even believe they're in the same. But they got mad at him for playing around and clowning when he's in there. And then they get mad when he doesn't. Like he's not entertaining anymore or whatever. It's uh, I love the the dual messaging from UFC. If you fight an exciting fight and lose, we'll keep you. You fight a boring fight and win, we'll cut you. But you fight an exciting fight and lose, they still cut you. You fight a boring fight and win, they cut you. Like it's like be exciting but win. Like you know, like now, you I still think he beat Stephen Thompson. 
Stephen Thompson is like one in three in his last four or one and two. His he you know he, he won his last fight against uh what's his name Kevin Holland, but Kevin Holland also wanted to prove that wrestling is is stupid, so he gets no kickboxing right. fight with a karate master. Um, and I think in I you know before that he 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 lost to Bilal Muhammad. Like he got like it was one one score was like 30 26 or something. So I right. think that Thompson uh loses this fight. I think that Michelle wins this fight, unless he had a terrible weight cut and this and that, but uh um I think he wins this fight. Don, who wins this fight? Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. I, I know I am, okay? And Factor, which is America's number one. Ready to eat meal kit. Now, number two, number one, it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered right to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track reaching your goals. Okay. Are you too busy with summer plans to cook? I am. It takes me forever to cook and I ruin the meals, but I want to make sure that I'm eating well and so should you. Well, with factors, skip the trip to the grocery store and skip the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning. Okay. While still getting the flavor and the nutritional quality you need. The factor is fresh, never frozen. Ew. Uh, their meals are ready in just two minutes. That's right, two minutes. Although when I do stuff in two minutes, my wife complains, okay? But not with factor. All you gotta do is heat and enjoy and then get back outside and soak up this warm weather. Vitamin D, all right? Looking for calorie conscious options this summer? You can try the delicious dietitian approved calorie smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. That's, that's, that's nothing. That's you burn that off. I don't know, jogging. All right. You need an extra boost to support your wellness goals this summer. I do. We'll try the protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein. Hell yeah. Get get rough. Look at, look at these guns people. All right. So check it out. Check out factor. Head to factormeals.com slash roasted50 and use code roasted50 and get 50% off your first box. That's half off your first box. That's code roasted50 at factormeals.com slash roasted50 to get 50% off your first box. All right. Check it out. You're going to thank me later. I got this cute dog. She's she's teething right now, uh, but she's, she's adorable. All right. No more biting. You got to get some chew toys. So thank you guys so much. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day. And check out Factor right now. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. That's right. And there's no better place to get on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book and official partner of Major League Baseball. And guess what, people? New customers in Massachusetts get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. And finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. I love it, okay? If I'm going to bet, I'm going to go on FanDuel. So now, bet on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 of bonus bets. Win or lose. How great is that? Okay, visit fanduel.com slash Boston and make every moment more. That's FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. You got to be 21 and older uh, and present in Massachusetts. Okay, your first online real money wager only. 
$10 for his deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable and bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Help is here. So is hope. Hope and help. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. That's FanDuel. Check it out now. Right now. You want to bet? That's where you go. Werner, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I don't know who he was. If you showed him a clip, he would remember. You don't forget that guy. The guy that does. You don't remember Don? The guy did a backflip to go into side control. He went up to a guy and did a backflip, literally, to get into side control when the guy was on the ground. He's a Brazilian guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he does some crazy stuff, man. But uh, I think if he if they fight the way they've been fighting, I think Maria wins. Um, but I think uh, Stephen Thompson is probably the more or was the more skilled fighter. He hasn't looked great as of late, but uh, I can't believe he's not a youth pastor. Like uh, that, uh, Stephen Thompson is like every youth pastor I've ever met. Yeah, no, I'm but he he works for his dad's karate camp or something, and he he yeah. drives a school bus. He's well, like some people would say karate is not a religion, but I would disagree. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, I uh, yeah, he seems like every youth pastor I ever had growing up, except he wasn't molesting the kids. So right. Um. So Derek Lewis. Said he's gonna have abs this fight, and he kind of <laughs> came close. He actually looks great. However, he's been quitting. I don't know how he's still ranked tenth. He lost three in a row. He lost four of his last five, and he's just been quitting, like legitimately fucking quitting. Now I get it. He's hilarious. He's like, "Yo, where's Ronda Rousey's fine ass out? He got my balls is hot. He's entertaining." But as far as his fighting goes. It's been nothing but disappointment. Um, I think this is one of these things where we everyone keeps remembering how good his wins were, and they forget about his lo- losses. But I think he he's fighting uh, what's his name? He's fighting uh, this guy who's really good, and I think he loses this fight uh, again. If I had to give anybody a guarantee, and I don't even know much about the guy he's fighting, but I guarantee a Derek Lewis loses this fight. Like I guarantee it. The way he's he's not training. I don't care what they say. Maybe he's eating right. He's got abs. He's not training. You can't. You can't know as little about MMA as he knows. Like when he's on the ground, it looks like he's never grappled before, never wrestled before. Striking, he just throws the big right hand. That's all he's got is a big right hand. You know, fake like he's going to shit his pants and then throw a right hand or fake like he's going to throw up and then throw one. But I love watching him fight. And I love his interviews. But he's talking about a guy who didn't uh, – reminds me of Dave Herman. I don't know if you remember Dave Herman, the heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Don, did, Don, did you fight Dave Herman at one point? Like late in your career? You were, yeah. yeah, I did. Thank you very much. Yeah, Don was yeah, Don was fifty at the back. time, and Herman was twenty. But um, yeah, I remember actually talking to Tom Erickson about that. He said Don called Tom and asked him what he thought, and uh, Tom told me he told Don, Don, you're fifty or whatever he was. Like, I, I don't think Dave Herman's a good matchup for you. And Don's like, oh, I think I got him. I'm gonna teach this young son of a bitch some lessons or whatever. But uh, I had trained with Dave. Actually, I had trained with Dave Herman, which I think is only one of five confirmed times he ever trained. Uh, in his whole career, like he's the one that said jujitsu didn't work and grew yeah. out all his body bleached it black and um, then tried to set up the cops and sue him. He got pulled over and kept ran from the cops and said he didn't feel safe. And then he's uh, now he's like way all right. He's like as far right as it gets, man. Like he's part of political activist. It's like the craziest thing to know him back then and know him now. Like uh, he's uh, 
Yeah, he uh, he told me one time. I told him I said I was. Uh, this is before I was. I had just started training jujitsu. I met him. He was on IU's wrestling team under the condition that he didn't have to practice. As long as he could practice, he would be on their team because he was a state champion or state qualifier. Was never practicing at a small high school, so he wouldn't practice. He would sit out hurt all the time. Finished seventh in the country his senior year um, without ever practicing. I can have that confirmed from people at IU said he did not practice. He always told me my, my hamstrings hurt, my arms, shoulders hurt. He would just go out. I saw him do a backflip to get out of a single leg one time in a grappling tournament. And I said, I know you can do a backflip. He's like, me neither. Like, he had no idea. He'd never tried it. But just freak athlete. But uh, I told him, I said, dude, listen, I was 28 at the time. had just started training jiu-jitsu. I was like, man, don't waste your talent. I used to be young and athletic, too. Like, I was, you know, at 20 years old, I had a 38-inch vertical leap. I was playing basketball in college. Could bench press 450 pounds. Like, I was a freak athlete. But I didn't do anything with it. I just started my business and people would say all the time, all the time you didn't play football. You didn't do anything. And they would give me like a disgusted look. And I was like, I, you didn't travel for WWE. I'm like, I just started the business. So when I fought in the UFC, I was kind of glad about that, that I finally did something with my size and then ended up ruining my back and shoulders. So that was great. But all that to say, I told Dave Herman, I said, dude, don't waste your youth and your racism. You could, you could do anything. You could play in the NFL. He's only 20 years old, 21 at this time. You could yeah. play in the NFL. You could, you could anything you want to do. You're young enough and athletic enough to do it. He goes, dude, the UFC gives me, and he's like 16 and 0 at this point, having never trained a day of MMA. Just goes out and beats people up. He's like, dude, if the UFC gives me a contract, I'll make a promise to you right now. I'll put in a solid two weeks training camp because I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm working my ass off for two weeks. He's, I'm already in cardio shape, so all I got to do is learn how to fight. And we would grapple, and I would submit him three times a minute, like it was ridiculous. Yeah. And I'd be like, dude, you got to learn some jujitsu. Because they're not going to be able to take me down. It doesn't matter because he couldn't be taken down, you know. So yeah, he brought that uh... Rinaldi beat the shit out of a great fight of Mario Rinaldi at Elite XC without having trained a day in his life. Like, just goes out there and just hops around on one leg in a single and punches him, rabbit punches for three rounds, you know? I remember when he had a big nod, put him in an arm bar. He was in the middle of the octagon in Brazil, and you could see him go, fuck me. He, you could see him say, fuck me, after he said, it just doesn't work. So, okay, Lewis is fighting uh, Marco Rogero de Lima, who's got a win over this guy, Waldo Cortez Acosta. This dude... His trainers told me about the guy he fought. He was a he could, a pitcher that could throw like a hundred and three mile an hour fastball, and he just started fighting, but he throws his punches like a pitcher. Uh, and he <laughs> and he was like eight no, but by, by by throwing punches like a pitcher, and then he ended up losing because he didn't have to defend leg kicks. Uh, they didn't teach him that in, in I guess in baseball, but. <laughs> Uh, he Maybe also he would have been, been a little bit better at blocking punches and kicks, you know. Dude, every one of his fights, because the guy, his, his guy's like, you gotta see this guy. He's from like Cuba, and he just throws overhand rights like he's throwing a fucking fastball, and he was knocking everyone out with it. Uh, so he before that he so he beat him. He beat Andre Arlovsky. Uh, he lost to Ivanov. He beat knocked out Ben Rothwell in thirty two seconds. Beat Maurice Green. So yeah, I mean he's won four of his last What's five. What's his name? This guy, this guy, Marco Ruggiero de Lima. He's the guy fighting Derek Lewis. Um, All right, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, I bet he knocks him out with the right hand. That's my guess. No, no, no. That was the pitcher. The guy he beat was Waldo. Oh, Peters. oh, I thought yeah, he yeah, was yeah. the pitcher. Yeah, the guy he beat was the pitcher. All right, so. All right, now a couple other things that are going on. So the bit, the big thing is the boxing match tomorrow, Don Fry. Uh, uh, Bud Crawford undefeated against Errol mm-hmm. Spence. You, you, have you heard about this? Don? No. no. Okay, both no. these guys are world champions. No, both, I have not. No. Okay, both these guys are undefeated world champions in their prime. Bud Crawford's kid actually is from Omaha, is a state champ wrestler at like 
age seven or like a national champion. He's got two kids that are amazing wrestlers, which is cool that a boxer puts his kid in wrestling, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, but a, a video just came out of Crawford was uh, on a one of those like theme park rides and his friend passed out uh, on the ride. And do you guys want to see this? Sure. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, sure. is, there, is there a fight for the BMF belt or is it a different belt? Because I know boxing is going to institute a BMF belt also. Oh, so. dude, this is like the best fight. This is the best boxing match in like 20 years. Like for real. I don't know to follow boxing and I've heard of both of them. So they both must be pretty good if I know. No, the th this is like one of those uh, fights, uh, Hagler Leonard, you know, Hagler Hearns, two guys in their prime. I mean, it's Jenny the Paul, only thing about the only bad thing is that Errol Spence got into a car accident going 180 miles an hour or something and completely wrecked his body. And it's only had like three or four fights since then. Yeah, they do it. You do kind of wonder how good, how, how much it impact, but it didn't seem to bother him his last fight. So this guy. He's I wonder if when he went to the ER after the car wreck, they accused him of being a drug addict because that was my experience. <laughs> I flipped my head. Escalade, they're like, are you just looking for pain pills, sir? I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Like, All right, so here's here's Crawford in the blue with his buddy. Watch. So they're on a they're on a <laughs> one of those rides. You hear him? So the other, the other guy passed. Well, again, I don't have any audio, but one of their heads is steaming. So he's this guy's like crying. He doesn't want to do got it. No audio at all. He's saying, I don't want to do it no more. I don't want to do it no more. And then he passes out. Watch. <laughs> passes out. And this guy looks. I guess I guess he didn't want to do it no more. He, he goes, get right. your ass up. He holds his hand. The guy wakes up and then passes out again. Watch. That's funny. That's funny. I, I can't help but think some sort of substance had something to do with that passing out. That looked, <laughs> that looked more like uh, that looked more like he was really drunk or really high, and it sloshed his brain around a little bit or something. I don't know. So Bellator is having yeah. their big event. Somebody slips. Yeah, uh, Bellator versus Ryzen this Saturday night. Of course they have it. There's been like three months with nothing big going on. Bellator could have had it any one of these nights. But instead, they wait for the biggest boxing match in the last 10 years and right. and the most exciting UFC event in a while to have uh, Pitbull, who's taking the fight on short notice, uh, against Roberto D'Souza, Danny Sabatello versus Magomed, Magomed Kirov. It's, it's a great card, but nobody's going to know um, what's going on. Uh, it's cool when they co-promote. It's a bunch of guys you never heard of versus another group of guys you never heard of. That's always a... I don't know what Bellator's doing, man. I they I don't know. I like Scott Coker, and I think that he's a great promoter. But man, they don't. Whoever's running their promotional end of it, man. Like I don't even know. I I guess they're on free TV sometimes, right? Or am I crazy? Yeah, Isn't no, they are. They're on CBS. So yeah, so I never. I don't. I don't know. It's the worst. So so Don Fry, you got interviewed by this girl named Nina Marie Daniel. Is she is she a nice girl? Nina Marie Daniel. Yeah, you're on a bunch of you're on, <laughs> yeah, you're on Nina a drama. Yeah, Nina drama. Yeah, yeah, Nina Nina drama. Do you, okay. Yeah. So, all right. The you a lot of people are mad at this girl. So the UFC hired this girl. She's I guess she's a, a TikTok star. She's got one point five. She's a sweetheart. I think she's 
Yeah, she's a sweet, she's a sweetheart, man. She's very nice, very funny too, very fun. She got a good sense of humor, and uh, she stays right up on it. And you know, she does this to these bullshit people that get offended and uh, want to sue you for anything. She's just she's funny. She gives it right back at you, which is good. I like her. Okay, all right. So that's one. That's that's okay. And I'm sure if I met her, she seems very nice. Uh, she, but. So people are mad yeah. because she's got 1.5 million followers on Instagram and the UFC hired her. But I don't know what she was thinking with this one. Okay, she posts a video of her walking to the cage, uh, which I guess her other videos are, I guess you can't bat, you know, you can't, uh, you know, I guess even Ted Williams batted 300. But sh So here she is. Uh, she's walking to the cage and she just starts twerking. Hold on. Wait, is she a fighter? No. Why is she walking to the cage? So I, I don't know what just happened. So she 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 posts that. All the comments are like the cringe. I'm done with the UFC. My eyes are bleeding. Uh, obviously, she's a hot girl. And someone thought this was going to be a funny idea to her to do a cage walk. Because she write, is this the best UFC octagon walk? My, rate my dancing one to ten. Um, and a lot of people uh, have won. I, it would be better if she was doing a parody of a certain fighter than it would be if she just was doing just uh or is that supposed to be a comment on the whole female division where you gotta like twerk to get your I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I, I I she seemed like I did see her interview with Don. She seemed like a nice person, but I don't know about like that's I don't know if that's supposed to be funny or sexy or what, but I don't think it was either. So, no, no. And look, I'm a tough comedy critic. Almost I'm jaded, I'm probably a little bitter. Nothing really makes me laugh anymore. Uh, you could say part of me is dead on the inside, but, but I, I don't know what that was. I, I don't know why people put money into that and thought this was going to be funny. Um, I think sometimes people just think loud and abrasive is funny or like annoying is funny. And sometimes annoying is funny, like in movie Dumb and Dumber, you know, that was pretty funny when they were annoying yeah, but... that kid in the middle, uh, <laughs> when they were in the car, like I could watch that all the time, but this was, was ridiculous. I don't know what happened. Uh, I have to see more of her to have a real opinion um but if don likes her that's really all that matters because if, if, if don can't all be home runs that's what i always said yeah. sometimes you sometimes you swing and you miss but if, if if don says she's cool then uh i trust don's opinion so don don likes her um but i don't she's know good okay yeah she's good i like her oh, there you go uh, well i i trust don's opinion um so pat militich is fighting mike jackson have you guys heard about this uh, yeah, I did hear about no. it. So, so Mike Jackson used to, I guess, Pat Militich trained Mike Jackson um, for his CM Punk fight. And he will fight his <laughs> former, uh, I guess it's called Bad Blood and Caged Aggression, Fight Night 2. Um, I guess, so I guess what happened was, you know, Mike Jackson's super, uh, Pat Militich went to the, um, what people call the insurrection on January 6th, and took a couple pictures and he posted it. 
and he got fired. And he thinks that, I guess, Mike Jackson helped get him fired. So Mike Jackson is posting, like, watch me beat up a real-life insurrectionist, this and that. Militich, look, I know Pat Militich. From what I know, he's not racist. He's a great guy. He's a really, really nice guy. He'll help anybody. I, I don't know, but Mike Jackson is is definitely on the other side of the spectrum. I met Mike Jackson, too. He seemed like a nice guy, too, but... Uh, you know, he thinks that he says things like black people can't be racist. No, anyone can be racist, whether you're white, black, yada, yada. So they're fighting. Uh, right. Absolutely. Uh, Pat is 57 years old. Mike, Mike is a lot younger. I still think Pat wins this fight. <laughs> so How I, sad is it going to be for CM yeah, Punk? How bad is it going to be for CM Punk when Pat Militich at 57 beats up Mike Jackson, who destroyed CM Punk? That'll be, you know, when they had that fight, uh, I actually had a couple jokes I made on Air Hawani's show about that fight. I don't know if you saw them, but uh, I said that watching Mike Jackson, like when they see him punks fight with Mike Jackson, I said the last time I saw a guy named Michael Jackson lay that many blows on a punk, the police raided Neverland Ranch the next day, which Ariel threatened to shut me off the show. <laughs> That's off. A, that is a great yeah, joke. I thought it was a good joke. And then um, the other one I had, I said that uh, I was talking about CM Punk's cardio, and I said that uh, – I said the only fighter I've seen with has been over with his hands on his knees more than CM Punk last weekend uh, in the last year was uh, War Machine. So, um, <laughs> also a great joke. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, both times there was like, dude, I can't have you on. He quit having me on when I made a. I made a. Uh, actually, I told him that uh, John Jones remind me uh, like the whole life reminded me of somebody I didn't know who, and I went to a family reunion and I realized he right reminded me of my uncle, my uncle Tom. And uh, that's when he quit. Uh, he quit having me on after that. When he said he couldn't have me on anymore, but uh, oh, God. I don't know. It's a good joke. It is a good. It is a good joke. Uh, I don't know why would he be an Uncle Tom though. Uh, just, I just, just because I just wanted to give. I don't know. Just say Uncle Tom associated with John Jones. I don't know, but uh, so yeah, I uh, that one. They got mad. I really apologize for. I made. A, I said that. Challenging the UFC publicly or asking for more money publicly was a worse idea than going camping with Evan Tanner. Oh, and no. uh, they cut that one and then said, I'd actually apologize. That's the only one I ever apologized for because apparently he was a really good dude. I didn't know. And, uh, and apparently it only been like a year since he committed suicide. I thought it had been like five or 10 years or something. Not that that matters. But uh, yeah, Ariel actually cut that part of the show. And so he couldn't have me on anymore because he was going to get put off air. So, oh, well. So here's what here's the here's the uh, the press release for, for the for the bad. I miss Greg's reaction to those things. <laughs> for the bad blood, right? He goes the clash, fueled by personal animosity and stark ideological differences, promises to be a fight of the ages, pitting skill against youth, experience against speed, and conservative views against liberally minded agendas. The upcoming Militich Biden himself with skill works and speed and all and you like because that none of that describes Michael Jackson or Mike Jackson. But go ahead. Sorry. The upcoming battle between Militich and Jackson represents more than just a clash of physical prowess. It embodies a clash of ideologies and principles. Militich at 57 symbolizes the resilience, determination of an aging warrior. Drawing upon a lifetime of evidence and honed skills, Jackson represents youth, speed, and the progressive ideals of the current era. This confrontation between two fighters encapsulates the broader societal divisions and political conflicts prevalent in today's world. Who in the world? Did Henry Kissinger write this? Uh, I, golly, who wrote that? That's amazing. 
<laughs> I didn't realize we were fighting for family and country in this fight or whatever. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> the fight represents a clash of values and perspectives that will undoubtedly captivate audiences around the world. Yeah, okay. It's on pay-per-view, on caged aggression. TV. Undoubtedly, yes, undoubtedly. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you guys a question. If Pat Militich wins, does that mean that January 6th was not an insurrection and that black lives don't matter? Or if Mike Jackson wins, does it mean Pat Militich is a traitor? Because that's what I'm getting from that pre-fight <laughs> paragraph. Like, it's like, uh, we're going to decide once and for all who was right on January 6th. The oh, my. The game with Dude, this fight. I heard that person not laugh like 25 times during the, like, while writing that. I mean. I want to see someone read that. That's why with a straight face. Besides you, I want to see someone read that before the fight. Oh, God. Now, Ben Askren is somehow in the best shape of his life. Um, yeah. so he, here he is, here is Ben. He, he goes, well, if there's any time to do it, it's now Here's <laughs> <laughs> over and he doesn't have, he has to stand no money from, there's no possibility of making money fighting. Now's the time to get in shape. I kept in great shape during retirement. I have zero desire to fight anyone except that loser Jorge. That's what he posts, right? About Masvidal and Masvidal writes back. Is this guy still alive? Um, huh. so I've heard that before. So I guess they said they're going to fight. So then then he, he posted the text, uh, Askren did, of him texting Dana to set it up. Dana will not set this up because of the uh, – maybe if he hadn't lost to Jake Paul, but there's no way he's going to put him in there. Uh, maybe after- if Masvidal still had the BMF belt, they could they could hype it and make it. Uh, but he, he lost that apparently. So, yeah. Dude, I don't understand. I, for the life of me, I don't understand. The UFC wouldn't do Khabib versus GSP. They said GSP wanted more money. Like, can't you just make $50 million one night instead of $100 million like UFC? Same with Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Everyone wants to see that again. Everyone would watch Askren and Masvidal again for sure. But Masvidal and Askren are both going to want a lot of money. And the UFC's like, we're not paying more than your contract. I don't, I don't no, understand. I, think, I don't think it's that. I think it's that, that Dana hates Jake Paul. And if, let's say, Askren wins, it gives Jake Paul like credibility. Um, right. I think that's. I think that would be the problem uh, with that. But uh, so Masvidal said, "Okay, I'll fight you." Um, if he goes, he goes. Okay, he goes. Ben, kiss my ass. You coming out of retirement? I'll send you back into retirement, motherfucker. Um, and then he goes, "You're a corny motherfucker." And then he goes, "I'll box you." So Masvidal said he wants to. <laughs> he wants to box him, Askren. Yeah, because that would I'm sure that would turn out far differently than the Jake Paul fight, like a boxing match. Like, um, yeah, so that I, I don't understand. You know, they want they were going to do Fedor versus Lesnar back in the day, but Fedor won to one fight contract. The UFC would not do it. I'm like, I don't see the downside. Like, I, I don't see, I don't understand. I don't understand the downside. Like, if if he beats Lesnar, so what? You know, what I mean, Lesnar might get beat any fight. You know, like it's not like he's walking away with your belt. Like, I just don't. Man, I don't know. The greed is is beyond me. And I don't think Dana's the greedy one. I think it's the – yeah, I thought the Fertitta brothers were greedy, buddy. I'll tell you what, the WME. Oh, yeah. Did you hear the WME told Dana he, he was going to go back his office? He yeah. had planned his office in like, New Performance, and they told him he was going to have to scale it back, and he was like, are you out of your mind? I'm not scaling back Oh, no, office. and they probably, like, told like, he has, they probably told him that he should, like, step down after he's at the whole slap thing, and Dana was like, no. You know, like, I'm sure that they're getting yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, now, another fight that's in the making right now, Donald Cerrone and Andrew Tate have some kind of beef. I'll show you uh, uh, Cerrone's reaction. Andrew Tate. You got everyone calling and blowing my phone up when I'm out here on vacation. 
talking about allegations. You want to try and fight me? If I come up to you, it's not a good idea to save your face, bro. Please. Okay. Back in the day when me and Joe Schilling always used to watch videos, if he wanted to fight you and you ran like a little girl your entire career, bro, are you kidding me? I'll knock the shit out of you. I'm a real fighter. You're a fake bullshit wannabe fighter made up a bunch of world championship belts that you bought off eBay. Are you kidding me? Uh, I love how you have all your followers thinking that you're something great. Now, you're a great speaker and a moneymaker and a social media fanatic. I'll give you that, sure, but can you fight? Nah, man, you a bum. Tell you what, though. Good thing my buddy Daniel White owns a massive fighting organization, and uh, they're doing a Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk fight. Tell you what, you want to get your social media clout involved? I'll fight you on that, some bitch. Or because you don't want to see me on the street, so you might as well just make a date, do it then. When you get your sex trafficking bullshit under wraps and you get out of jail or you get off house arrest or whatever the hell they got you on right now, let me know. We can set it up and figure it out. Until then, shut the fuck up. Keep my name out of your mouth and uh, enjoy your cigars and trafficking women, brother. Oh. Um... They can fight for the bald mother effort belt. Oh, <laughs> it's really Cerrone looks jacked. I guess he's on TRT. He's all about it. Man. I think that Cerrone destroys Andrew Tate, but I also think he actually gets up for that fight. I don't think he wanted to fight his last couple fights, Jim Miller and this and that. I think he would like, he'll actually try and he'll beat the shit. I don't think he's not going to want to lose Andrew Tate on television. There's no way. Um, yeah. I don't think Andrew Tate, I think he's beyond needing money to fight. They're going to kill him pretty soon anyway. I'll tell you that. Like, he'll be dead before long. He'll hang himself in his cell or something. It's a, you don't, uh, you know, it's funny. He gets popular and starts sending a message against the uh, the mainstream message. All of a sudden, he's sex trafficking women from 20 years ago. You know, like it's, uh, yeah. I, my son, I think I told you that. My son told me that I reminded him of Andrew Tate, and I had never heard of Andrew Tate. It was right when he was coming out. I looked at some of the stuff. I was like, God, I hope I don't remind you of that dude. Because I just saw the offensive side. But then when you hear him actually, what his message is, is awesome. I think, man, that men should be men and should act like men and quit being yeah. pussies. They, uh, they went to, uh, they went to yeah. shut him up pretty quick. So, uh, yeah, but as far as, yeah, fighting, they tried to put the boots to him. But no. As far as fighting, I watched a lot of his fights. It seems like his chin is straight up in the air. And, uh, yeah, he's not that great a kickboxer, man, at all. Like, at all. I've watched him. It's, uh, but you realize Don would be dead if Don were more famous. Like if Don got blew up and got way, way more famous, like with the stuff he says, they would kill him too. He would hang himself in his jail cell for who knows what. So uh, uh, Don, did not, you yeah, yeah, my paper, my paper pajamas, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, not yet. Not yet. They're not going, they're not letting they're not even letting people say it anymore. It's one thing to do it, but uh they're not even letting you say it anymore, man. So uh well listen, uh so Don, by the way, um I saw you had a. Who's the wrestler you had last week on your thing? You had a pretty good wrestler, old school. Oh, Ken Patera. Yeah, that he was like Mr. Olympian, right? Yeah, that's old, old school, man. No, he, yeah, he was a he's the first first man to put five hundred pounds over his head. You know? Oh yeah, but a, was he the world's strongest? Man? Wow, that's yeah. yeah well, I don't know if he was. He did several competitions. Yeah. Got it. That's pretty awesome. He was, yeah, he was great. He was he was tag he was tag team partners with the guy that broke me, Brad Reagan. You know, Brad was only on the big team of seventy six, and yeah, uh, so they were a, like the Olympic. You know, 
And there's a video going around now of you saying you could beat up both the Paul brothers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, somebody Probably. said it to me. <laughs> Okay, fine. Well, I mean, so what's the problem with that? No, <laughs> nothing. I'm just telling you that uh, uh, everyone keeps sending me these videos. <laughs> like Don saying shit. I think it's great. I, um, I'm honored. I'm honored. So uh, what do you got this weekend, yeah. Sean? Anything this weekend? Uh, no, nah, man, just physical therapy and doctor appointments and boring stuff. And I actually am working, like I said, on my, I'm going to do a podcast. Not that I don't love doing this with you guys also every week, but everybody's been begging for it. So I'm going to do a, at least one podcast where I just trash Brendan Schaub the whole time. Cause that's what they're all begging for. So, uh, I'm going to do that one. There might be a Bruce Buffer joke here or there and there, but, but uh, yeah, that, and, uh, my son is, my son's wanting to do stand up. I told you he's begging me to take him to one of your shows. And he wants to meet Don Fry at the same time. So I'm trying to like I'm trying to work all that in on the same trip if we can make it somehow when you guys are both gonna be in Vegas or something. But uh him and I were writing jokes yesterday. Um he just he was like telling me ideas he had and he said he thought there was a joke there for um like you know these guys that talk to kids for like you know a couple of weeks and then confront them like they act like they act like they're a kid talking to a pedophile and then they show up and film the guy, like, oh, you thought you were talking to a 13-year-old, you know. Yeah, you know whatever. And then, um, he said he saw one where the guy had to talk to him for six months, and my son was like, six months? You pretended to be a thirteen-year-old girl for six months?" And he said he knew there was a punchline there, but he couldn't think of one. And so uh, the one we came up with is still a working punchline, but it's going to be something along the line of the guy shows up and it's a real big, muscular black guy. And so my son, uh, the joke, the the punchline basically is that my son got molested by the guy that came anyway, even though he was an adult, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Like he, he confronted the guy as an adult and then it turns out how you thought it would, he molested me, you know, or whatever, like that's the joke, you know, cause even though he's an adult, but I don't know, there's a good joke there somewhere. There, but, there is uh, a joke in there. I agree. Yeah, uh, he keeps, uh, he keeps begging me to go out. And he, he, he had the mind, he had the mind of a nine year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wants me to uh he wants me to bring him and he wants to kind of learn how the in the in and outs of the uh, how it works like the comedy thing cuz when I told him he'd go on cruises and stuff and get paid to do it he's like that would be my dream life to travel and just tell jokes at night and he's like I said he's the one I sent you the impressions he does he does unbelievable impressions man. Unbelievable. He um, does unbelievable. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, he's uh been that way since he was a little kid. He used to impersonate his mom at 3 years old. She didn't she didn't think it was funny, so he wouldn't do it when she was around. But I know he's got an impersonation of me. He will not do it. His My nephew swear it's the best impression you've ever heard in your life. He won't do it. He will not do it in front of me. And I'm like, dude, come on, just one time, but he won't do it. But, yeah, he does. Uh, he's got one of you that they say is phenomenal, too. Like, he's got an Adam Hunter impression. But, uh, yeah, I'll, we're going to have to do up something. By the end of this year, man, I want to – are you going to do comedy out, uh, like, New Year's time? Don't you normally do go to Vegas during that time for the UFC around New Year's or something? Yeah, I usually go to Vegas, but shit pops up all the time. Like, I just got booked, uh, like, in Arkansas for January, and then I'm in, I'm in Arizona, and then I got to I'm, – I'm, I'm back in Texas in September. You know, when are you going to be in Arizona? When are you going to be in Arizona? I think in uh, November. November. Are you anywhere near Don in Arizona when you do that? Because maybe yeah, that would be the best yeah, time. Yeah, the, the last time, that was the greatest trip yeah, ever. Yeah, come on. Like, except, except when I, he made me hold all the guns. And I and I I was like, <laughs> yeah terrified him. He, he, he peed all over him like a cat spraying. You know? <laughs> That's true. This is true. Uh, by the yeah, way, no, if you're doing that in November, I'll bring my son out. We'll come out and do the whole thing. And if you guys do it, like uh, I'll make it out there. So yeah. by the way, Chael is back working for the UFC this week, which is great. I want to hear one of my funniest Chael Sutton stories. So I was this is like 
I don't know, 12 years ago. It was right before he was supposed to fight Vanderlei Silva 10 years ago. And I'm in Calgary doing like this like comedy cave in Calgary, right? And I get a phone call from Chael. It must be like Sunday night, like 11 o'clock at night. He's like, hey man, Adam. And we're friends, but we're not like friend friends. We're friends. We're friendly. We're friends. He's like, hey man, so you know uh, how I got busted for TRT and it came out last week? And I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, I went all in. He goes, and and tomorrow it's coming out in the press that I did like like 10 things. He goes, what do I do? And I'm like, first of all, what number am I on the list of people to call? Like, <laughs> like, like you're calling, you're calling a comedian. He goes, well, I just figured you'd make me feel better. I go, all right, well, say, listen, tell them that, you know, there's a steroid problem in the UFC. And in order to catch a criminal, sometimes you must become one. So right. you take steroids to find out what these people were doing. And that was your way of to rid all the steroids. <laughs> In the UFC, right. he started crying, laughing. Uh, he didn't say that. I was hoping he would. That would have been like, but he didn't actually say that to the press. But I was hoping he would. He stole several of my lines. I told him one time that he should thank himself for all his hard work and dedication because without him, none of this would be possible. And then he he said that after a fight, and then he didn't give me credit for it. And I said, dude, at least on Twitter, give me a shout out or something. So then on the, the next Fox show he was on. He goes, uh, he was talking about Stephen Strew fighting Mark Hunt. He goes, you're talking about a guy who beat McCork on a guy who lost to him. I don't know who to feel more sorry for in this fight, you know, <laughs> or whatever like that. He, goes, he, he said, you got your mention there, you big dummy, you happy. Like my son called me right away. Are you watching Channel and Fox? We're just talking about you. I was like, I don't, I didn't see it, man. And so he uh, rewound it on TiVo or whatever it is and uh, sent he's it to me. Cool people. Like, uh, he's one of the nicest guys I've mm. ever met. Like when, like when, Dude, when his, I know you got to go, but his, have you seen his thing where it's in black and white? He talks about growing up and what it was like growing up. And yeah. he said, like, we had to, we had a maid, but she only came three days a week. Who do you think did the laundry? Dude, that is the funniest. To me, one of the funniest monologues I've ever heard in my life. And people think he's serious. Like, they think he's, like, dead. So it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, that dude is, he's funny, man. He's one of the funniest. Dude, when uh, when King Mo um, had staph infection, he paid for the whole surgery. Like, he just, he yeah, took really? Yeah. He's just like one of these guys. Like he just, he's just the best. Um, so Don, what do you got coming up? Nothing, man. Nothing. I'm just hanging out with my bulldogs. You know, I got, I got another infection right now. A doctor just called me yesterday or two days ago, told me that. So I'm all excited about that. You know. Um, so just, uh, just chilling, baby. Just chilling. Nice. Well, I got no. You know what? I do this shit coming up. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I got. I'll be in Boston. Well, right now I'm scheduled to be in Boston for that fight for the UFC and uh, okay. do another team whiskey there. So unless unless they get pissed off and fire me between now and then, you know. So I don't think they will. Knock on wood. Well, listen, you guys are great. I love you guys. Mm -hmm. Have a great weekend. Thank you for everything. Thank you guys. Take care, man.